Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. I have on my heart that uh, very strongly that we need to understand the concept of honor this morning. But, the, you know, I think we hear honor a lot and we hear that word thrown out a whole lot in, in our culture and in, you know, even in movies and TV shows and things, but we don't really grasp the subject. And the reason that I'm saying that is because my, my daughter, you know, four-year-old said, Daddy, you're preaching. What are you going to talk about? And I said, honor. And she said, what's honor? I said, well, honor is, you know, it's uh, valuing something. She's like, what's value? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Uh, it's, it's what's, you know, your priority. She goes, well, what's priority? <laughs> And you realize you don't really understand a subject unless you can explain it to a child. So I'm like, Lord, you got to help me because um, I've, I've got this on my heart. But I, I believe that I've got a word for the church this morning. And um, this is going to take us into the next seasons that we have at Anchor Faith Church. And it's really going to take you personally into the rest of the seasons of your life if you grasp what I'm going to say today by unction of the Spirit. So um, whenever we start looking at the Bible, we understand at Anchor Faith Church, you know, I... I didn't introduce myself. I don't know. My name's Joshua Clay. I love my church. That's all you need to know. But at Anchor Faith Church, we have a strong teaching about what the Bible truly is about. And how many of y'all know what that is? The Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. It's not a religious document. The Bible is a government document documenting God's government. It's not, it has nothing to do with religion. It's only mentioned two times, and those aren't references to what God's priorities are. He's a king. So when we look at Genesis chapter one, verse 26, we all should know it. But you need to pay attention to what's about to be said about it right now. That God said, let us make man in our image. Who's he talking about? The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He said, let us make man just like us and then let them what? Rule. Rule. See, I'm telling you, I love preaching at home because y'all get such great teaching already from our pastors, right? Because I would say some of these things at another church somewhere else and some other place and they'd be like, Hold on. Say it again. What? What's the Bible about? But y'all already have a great foundation. So if the desire of God was to let man rule like him, that means the greater work that Jesus did wasn't just to get you into the kingdom through his death, burial and resurrection. It was to enable you to live the culture of the kingdom. Every nation has its own culture, which is its system of values, its system of beliefs and how it responds and how it operates and how it speaks and God's kingdom's no different. His government's no different. So we need to understand, first and foremost, the kingdom culture is a culture of honor. And I'll say, and you know, Pastor Earl a couple weeks ago said, you know, when he was naming teachers, he's like, you know, teachers like Pastor Mike and Pastor Marcy and Joshua. And then I was in the back and I was like, I'm a teacher? Is that what I am? So you know what? Hey, you're getting the teacher this morning. So get your pencils. Some of y'all ain't writing. Let me see your phones. That's not notes. It's just his Bible app. <laughs> but write down. I'm going to give Don a hard time. Write down in your notes. We're going to define what honor means. Because, again, I, I actually went throughout the last couple of weeks and I've asked a few of my friends. I'm just kind of asking because I think honor is misunderstood. And, and we, we think we know what it is. But the problem is when I got definitions from other people, I realized they were giving me definitions of something it wasn't. So, so for me to walk, walk through, here's a couple things that honor is not. Honor is not respect. It's not the same thing. Honor is not acknowledgement. 
Acknowledging something isn't honoring it. Case in point, we're to honor God, right? Okay, just acknowledging that God exists isn't honoring him. Otherwise, the demons and Satan honor God. They acknowledge he exists. So acknowledgement can't be honor. So the fact that you're just saying, oh, I acknowledge this person and their achievement, that's not what true honor is. I also found that honor is something everybody is doing. Honor isn't just a kingdom concept. There's a kingdom culture way of honor that's different from the world's way of honor. But everybody's honoring. Because when we look at the definition of the word honor, when it's used in the Bible, it's used in the Greek and Hebrew, it always means weighty or heavy. Give weight or give, you know, give, give ex- assign weight or heaviness to something. And you're like, okay, yeah, we're going to have to teach it because that doesn't make any sense. The reason that weight or to give weight to something was important in the Bible time is because before we had cash, anything of value was measured by how heavy it was. If you think of any precious metals or jewels or diamonds or whatever it is that you're thinking of, it was always measured by how heavy it was. And if it was the heaviest, it was the most valuable. So for us to have honor means we ascribe great value to something. Okay, we, we, we'll get it. So again, the word honor means to, get, to really give value or assign value to something. So everybody's doing this in their daily life. Everybody's valuing things more than other things. Everybody is, has a hierarchy of what's most valuable to their life. And they give honor to it. And it's proven and it's undeniable because when you honor something or something is valuable to you, it'll come through, number one, it starts in your heart. Number two, it'll come out of your mouth. And then number three, it'll come out of your actions. You can't fake honor. Now, you can fake respect. You can fake acknowledgement. But honor becomes obvious. Uh, An example I love is if anybody's ever served in the military. I have not, but I have a lot of friends who've served in the military. And the difference between world honor and kingdom honor is pretty evident because I know whenever you're in the military and an officer shows up, what do you do? Salute the officer. And I haven't found a military person yet that won't salute an officer. And then when he walks away, run their mouth about him. It's a demand of honor on the outside But there is no way of managing in the world honor from the heart. See, there's only consequence in the world if you don't honor on the external. But in the kingdom, we serve the king who judges the thoughts and intentions of our heart, which means kingdom honor first begins in here. In here. It starts in the heart. Whenever we're looking at something that we value, we start to value it from the inside first. So it's something that you give priority to. Again, me trying to explain to my daughter, I realize honor is shown by what is most valuable. What's most valuable is shown by what you prioritize in your life. Your priorities reveal what matters to you. So whenever we uh, let's look at Romans chapter 13, verse 7. This is where God is saying in our culture, he says, give honor to whom honor is due. Give honor to whom honor is due. Honor is what matters most to us. And God says in his kingdom, there's some things that should matter more to you than other things. 
And we're going to keep, I'm going to keep giving these principles because until we really understand honor, we won't actually operate in it. We all know ways. If, if, if I held, you know, questions that how, how do you honor somebody? We could all give a bunch of examples. Oh, you could, you know, give them some cash or, oh, you could, you know, serve them in some way. And we could all think of ways to honor. But what is honor is important for us to find first. So, again, honor is giving priority to something. Honor reveals your treasure. What you treasure is the highest, most valuable thing to your life. And that is what you will honor the most. So, again, in the kingdom, we've been called to rule and reign and dominate in this earth as kings. So when the Bible says in Revelation, he's the king of kings, who are the kings? So the title of my message today is honor among kings. Because everybody has a system of honoring, even thieves do, right? We get the statement, honor among thieves, because they honor their own system of values. But in the kingdom, we have a different system of values. So a couple kingdom principles. One, a king is the one who originates the values of their culture. The culture of a kingdom always reflects the nature of the king. Always. The culture always reveals who the king is. So for me to have kingdom honor, I cannot honor God without valuing what God values. Amen. <laughs> to honor God, we cannot we, we can't just say I acknowledge you, which is what too many Christians are doing on a regular basis, acknowledging God, but then going out and holding to their own value system. What matters to them the most? In fact, we end up coming up with this list, right, where it's like God, family, church, you know, uh, and we have our own hierarchy of value whenever we really have an obligation as kingdom citizens, as kings of the earth to find what is the king of kings? What is his values? That's what my values should be. Because at the root, honor is really just a system of values and what you value most. That's what honor is. It has many different expressions. We won't be able to get into all of them today. You want an in-depth study, you need to sign up for Kingdom Institute and make it through two whole years of it and get into Pastor April's class on honor. And then you can get a whole breakdown of 75 minutes, seven weeks in a row. But today you got me for four hours. You think I'm kidding? We don't have flag football. We'll be done long before KI. That's all I promise. Anyway, when we look at priorities, we look at what Jesus said. Jesus is an awesome example of honoring because Jesus never came and just honored himself. In fact, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where there is a command to honor yourself. We get that love happens because what honor is not is, is not love. Honor comes from love, but honor isn't love. Because the Bible says, you know, like, love, your, you know, lo love your, your you know, wife like you love your own self. There's an expectation that you would have a love for yourself, but it does not say that you need to have an honor for yourself. There's something else we should be honoring. Honor is always an expression that comes from inside and it comes out from me. In fact, when it, people make a mistake or they get off when they start to try to demand honor for personal self. Because if you'll notice throughout the Bible, when honor is talked about, it's not always mentioned about an individual as much as it is the individual's assignment. We'll get there. Six pages of notes. We're on page one. 
So to be a person of honor, that means you're going to adhere to a system of values. And again, in the kingdom, our values have to align with God's values. Period. And I'm going to say this like a dozen more times because too often we say, I honor you, Lord. But then if we don't find out what matters to him and then make that matter just as much to us, we'll miss actually honoring God. And the honor for God and honor for our king is the foundation of all other honor in the Bible. Any other thing we're commanded to honor will fall short if we don't have the foundation of always honoring what God honors first. So think about what God honors. What's the most important to him? If honor is your treasure, we see that. Yeah, y'all are way ahead. It's fine. But there's people on the Internet that don't know yet. But again, Matthew chapter six, verse 21, Jesus tells us, he says, where a man's treasure is, there his heart is. So whenever God honors something, God treasures or values something, he puts his heart there. So why don't we find out what God values? Well, again, we know his word is what he values. It says he exalts his word above his own name. So if the word of God is not the most weighty, most valuable, most important thing in your life, you are not honoring God. In fact, you are not a person of kingdom honor at all because all kingdom honor stems from your honor of the word first. Jesus proved this because he showed up and said, he was Jesus a man of honor. What did he always point to? He would always point to the father or point to the word or point to what did God say? In fact, when he was tempted and there was a, a, a counter thought or a counter value given to him, Matthew four is an incredible example of honor. What's valuable when you're hungry? What's valuable? Food. So Jesus fasts for how many days? Over a month and then shows up in the wilderness and the devil brings him something of great value to a hungry man. It says, make this rock into bread. And what did Jesus say? Did he honor his hunger? Did he honor himself? He said, it is written. The first thing that came out of his mouth revealed his heart of honor and value. The thing he valued the most in that moment was still what the father said, no matter how he felt. Come on, every time the enemy brought something to him, he was trying to get him to value something more than the word. He said, what about your assignment? Hey, what about your purpose? Bow down and worship me. I'll give you the kingdoms that you came to restore. And Jesus said, it is written. He said, the word is more valuable to me than just obtaining something that I've set out to obtain. Nothing will replace that. So all other honor in the life of Jesus stemmed from his honor of the word. Are we kingdom people? Realize that Adam in the garden lost his right to rule simply because he didn't honor the word of the king. That's it. We, we want to list a bunch of sin things and things that we view as bad and whatever. But in the end, the greatest dishonor you could do in the kingdom is to dishonor and devalue the king's word. You know how you devalue something? You value something else more than it. You don't just make it, oh, I don't care about it. What you do is you show, I care about something more. And I think we miss that when we're talking about honor because all of a sudden in our own lives, we think, well, I do value it. I value something. But the question isn't, do you value it? It's how much do you value it? What do you value more? That'll reveal the priority. Okay. It's good. Another thing that God obviously honors and values in the kingdom, he honors parents. And it's important to notice, again, 
It's not so much honoring the individual as much as the assignment of the individual. The highest level of honor you can give is to the purpose, not the person. However, it can trickle down from there. It can trickle down, but the highest level that we start out with honor is always what is the assignment? What is the purpose? What is the mandate of the person? I honor that first, then I will honor the person. We'll, we'll, we'll hammer this away a little later, but it's important to note that because, again, he says, honor your father and mother. So inevitably, the question always gets asked, right? There's like positives and negatives. Like, what if my, what if my parents didn't love God and they were bad and they, they, they wanted me to do bad things? What if they weren't a good parent? You have a command to honor the role. So I found whenever we're looking at honor, the assignment over the individual, you'll realize the assignment matters first and God always honors the assignment. But if the person falls short of what they're supposed to do in the assignment, they're dishonorable. They bring dishonor on themselves. In fact, in any role that God has called you to do for you to not fulfill the role, you as an individual become dishonor and you bring that on yourself. However, the role always maintains honor. Because is father and mother honorable? I don't care whose name is being attached to it. The person may, may or may not warrant respect, may or may not warrant obedience. But in the end, you better still value the role. So in kingdom honor, especially dealing with little kids, I'm not going to focus on the negative. We really need to just see the kingdom way of doing it. Because in the household, honor and value means my children to honor me aren't just going to be respectful to me. They're going to do and value what I say. That's the order of honor in the house. Because I know there's a lot of kids out there that can say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yet they're just saluting me like an officer. And that's not kingdom honor. Kingdom honor emanates from the heart. So I can tell whether you valued what I said by whether or not you do it. It does no good for me to tell Titus, hey, take out the trash and him say, yes, sir. I love you, dad. I will do it. And then not do it. No honor. You can be polite. There's a lot of polite kids that aren't honor, that aren't honoring their parents. You honor kingdom parents by obeying what they say because you've seen your kingdom parents obey what God says. Again, the foundation of kingdom honor has to be honor for the word. The reason I honor my parents is not because they're parents and I don't honor the role of parent. I honor it because the king said so. It's not an option. People always want to ask the question of civil authority. You know, what about civil authority? What if there's a president you don't agree with? What if there's a governor you don't agree with? What if there's a king that's in a kingdom you don't agree with? In the end, man, do we have it at home? You're super concerned about all the civil authority, but man, that, that actually is lower on the list to the king. He says to honor it, but I found we don't honor what's God's priorities first and then want to talk about all the other outlying issues. Because I'll tell you what God values. He values. No, we won't go there yet. That's crazy talk. I'm not going to jump there. Whew, that was almost. Jeez, so much. God values his word, but I'll tell you something that, that is interesting to me as I begin to go through the word and just go from the perspective of what is priority to God? What matters to him? What does he mention the most? He talks about parents and honoring them. But I found he's not returning for civil authority. He's not returning for parents. He's not returning for you as an individual. 
He's coming back for his church. You want to ask what matters to God? I promise you at the top of that list is going to be what Jesus said. I'm going to build my church. And I'm going to return and find my church. Some of y'all are already a little bit ahead of me because you realize you can't honor God and can't honor the king if you don't value what he values. And if at the top of that list is his church, how do you value church? What priority do you make it? Mm. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But again, if I'm to align my value system with the king's value system and he puts church up at the top of his and then all of a sudden all through the epistles begins to talk about how Jesus is the head of the church, which is his body. It's part of him. It emanates from him. It is the goal that he has. It's what he's building. It's what he's coming back for. Why am I not more passionate about this church then? Why am I so concerned about whether the president or I don't agree with the president or the governor and I don't agree with the governor? Why am I concerned about this when God's not concerned about that at all compared to how much he cares about the church? So again, when somebody says, oh, you know, I honor God, but this Sunday, you know, we're just going to have a family day. Hey, you're missing it. You're missing honor. Don't tell me you value what God values, then sit at home when God shows up here. Come on, it gets tough, but you think if God values something, why am I not making this a major forefront of priority in my mind, in my heart, in my actions? It's no good to talk about how to honor if we can't understand what we're honoring. Everybody's honoring something. So if I gave you principles on how to honor, you could take those and apply them to whatever the heck you wanted. But God doesn't say do whatever you want. He says, honor what I honor. Give honor where honors do. Another thing that I found, man, this one's, this one's important. <laughs> They're all important, right? It's the word. But again, in, in hierarchy of value that God's giving, it's interesting that he's coming back for his church. Jesus is building his church in Matthew 16, 18. But then if we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, let's put that up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. It says, and he gave some, say gave. gave. Do you think that the king of the universe that owns everything, when he gives a gift, would give you something that's worthless? We could just stop there and I could just preach the rest of the message on this. What does God value? He gave you something he values. He gave you one of the most valuable things to him and to you. Do you value what the king values? It says, and he gave some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, say pastors, pastors. some as teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? So do you understand God's top priorities on this planet in this life are the church and the leadership that he's given you in your life? See, maybe we spend way too much time honoring things that aren't honorable and dishonoring things that should carry more weight. Because I found that I was also part of the question that always comes up, right? Like, what if somebody's not, you know, what, what if I was at a previous church and the pastor wasn't honorable? His role demanded honor either way. 
His character may have warranted dishonor, but in the end, the role better keep the same value for you. Because the worst thing you could do in the kingdom is to see somebody's role somewhere and the individual dishonored the role, then you devalue the role when you go to the next place. Value and weight is carried in the assignment, in the role of the person that God has appointed. So when we're looking at the church, God says, I'm giving gifts to you. And he appoints fivefold ministry in your life. And understand, he puts them higher than civil authority. We're concerned about whether we got a good or a bad or whatever. In the end, how do you honor your pastor and what priority do they take in your life? And the reason that we focus on pastors more is because they're the ones who are with you in the trenches. They're the ones who God's appointed to equip you, which means they're going to be the ones that come correct you. So if honor is weight and value and you assign weight and value where God does, how could you take the words of your pastor lightly? You understand for you to receive what they say lightly is dishonor to one of the things that God views as the most honorable and most valuable. I knew we'd be quiet for a while. Listen, in the end, we're going to wrap all this up with like all the benefits of honor, right? And we're all going to be like, yes. But in the meantime, we have to search ourselves and know, where do I fall in this? Do I understand honor, first of all? Second of all, do I actually honor the right things? Because again, everybody's honoring something. You give your time, your thoughts, your energy, your efforts into something on a daily basis. Yet are they the same things that God is concerned about? Because in viewing this, I realize there's only one thing God commanded, one entity that God said is worthy of double honor. Which means for us to understand honor means we need to stop and realize this must be the top of his list. He does not say parents deserve double honor. He doesn't say government leaders deserve double honor. There's one thing that he said deserves double honor. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 through 19. says, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. I think we've gotten our value system wrong. You understand how many people will honor their boss at work because they get a paycheck? But when they show up at the church, the value that they have for the what God said should have double honor ends up getting dishonored out of the, in their heart, in their mouth, and in how they act. Come on, honor is important. If we don't grasp a hold of honor, we'll never understand how God wants to interact with us. Because again, we know without a doubt we're supposed to honor God, right? I mean, do we all agree? Honor the king. Honor God. That's it. But we can't do that if we don't value what he values. If God says something is weighty and valuable to him, we have the same standard, which means we're going to put weight and value where God does. When we start talking about honor and we start talking about from the heart, I realize, you know, too often we, we want to honor the individual before the assignment and we get it backwards. And that's why we have issues honoring parents that maybe didn't live up to the standard of parents because you're stuck in the person and not the role. In fact, we do this wrong with Jesus. 
Too much the Christian church has gotten honor of Jesus wrong. They want to honor a man that lived here on this planet for 33 years, then died and was resurrected, now sits in heaven. And they're trying to honor the individual and the individual's obedience when really the greater level of honor is to honor who he always was, which is the word. John 1 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. And then the word became flesh. So we want to come and sing songs. In Christian services about, oh, Jesus, your beautiful face. I want to see your face. As a dude, you know, I don't need to gaze into another dude's face. That's not the point. For me to honor him isn't to honor his individuality. It's to honor the assignment that he fulfilled. Because, again, if somebody has an assignment, the honor goes to the assignment. And if they fail to fulfill it, they're dishonoring themselves. But if they fulfill the assignment, they are highly worthy of honor. So how much more do we know with our pastors? They've got a role of pastor that you'll, you do not dishonor. The king says, do not dishonor the role. But the individual in the role has fulfilled the role well. How much more worthy of honor are they? Come on. That's why we're taking too much time thinking about who should we honor, who should we not. No, it's what should we honor. Not who. Then if, somebody, if a who fulfills the what, then we honor them. Do we understand the hierarchy of honor in the kingdom? God assigns a assignment or a purpose then puts a person in the purpose we honor the whole package if they fulfill it we got it we're, we're doing okay i think we need to understand our pastor doesn't belong to us see pastor's appreciation we just came out of last month we all did a great job honoring our pastors i mean that we blessed them it was awesome and they and they deserve it because they fulfilled the assignment but where people get into frustration is whenever they're only, they're only honoring an individual, yet don't see the bigger picture of the individual's assignment. Our pastor doesn't belong to us personally. Pastor Earl's not just my personal pastor. He belongs to somebody else. Who does he belong to? He belongs to the king. Who gave him the assignment? Not me. And I think we could all have a testimony service and talk about things that our pastors have done for us, right? I mean, the, in times of our life when we needed him, in times of our life when we needed correction so we could go to another level. There's so much that, the, that Earl Glisson has done. But you understand, Amen. Pastor Earl, yes. that role carries the most weight and most valuable to me. I know him as a person, but you understand, he's my pastor. That's why when somebody comes in and goes, oh, yeah, I heard Earl say something. I go, Gross. Gross. Where's the honor? What are you honoring? It's not that you don't like the individual, but in the end, you're getting your honor out of balance. You're looking to an individual, yet I'm going to honor the role. That's the highest level of honor as a kingdom citizen. Honor the role first. And as they live up to the role, honor the whole thing. So again, our pastor doesn't belong to us. That's why people get frustrated when they want a personal pastor that's just their personal. All of a sudden, Pastor Earl goes away on a trip to India. Like, where's the pastor? Jeez, why do we got this bald guy up here again? You know what? Well, why don't we get him back? When pastor is on assignment, he's fulfilling what God has called him to do right now. Anytime that he leaves, it's not that he doesn't value what's here. Because he gave you me. 
Okay, okay, no, 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 no. We ain't doing that. But again, anytime pastor puts somebody in this pulpit, it's not because as a shepherd, he's like, hope somebody figures it out. I'm going on a trip. He's a good shepherd. He cares. He says, who is the Holy Ghost going to have to bring a word this day? He doesn't just draw our names out of a hat. He prays about it and says, Lord, who do you want to minister at a certain time? The Lord gives him a name. He has a person fill the platform because he cares. He's a good pastor. But you know what Pastor Earl also is? An apostle. You know who appointed him to be a pastor? God, you know who appointed him to be an apostle? Who does he have to honor first? Where does kingdom honor originate first? What is the foundation of all kingdom honor? Honoring the word, honoring what the king says. Our pastor, when he, whether he's here in this platform or whether he's in another nation in somebody else's platform, is still doing the mandate God's put on his life. That's worthy of honor. Just because he's not bringing you the word on a certain service doesn't mean he's not bringing his supply to the whole body that day. Come on, every one of us are doing our supply and we honor each other in doing that. It's no good for him to say, oh, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. No, he's got to say, King, what do you have for me? And when he goes on assignment, he's honoring the whole ministry by doing his assignment. And that's worthy of honor, isn't it? And it's so much worthy of honor. God puts church leadership honor highest on the list. It's the highest. There's only one thing in the whole Bible that he says should have double honor. And that's those who are bringing the word to you, those who are fulfilling their role in the fivefold ministry to bring that gift. Church leadership, church elders, that's what God says. I honor that double. Because then it makes me think of Jesus, you know, whenever he's, Jesus was like the ultimate, right? He filled all the offices. He did, he did everything. He was anointed by God. And he showed up in his hometown. And they're all like, who are you? You know why they had a problem with him? Because they recognized him as an individual and missed his assignment. And when they dishonored the individual, they missed out on the benefit of the assignment. Because he said, a prophet's not without honor, but in his hometown. Why? Because in my hometown, they only see me as a person and not what God's called me to be. So far be it from Anchor Faith Church to see our pastors as just a person and what that person can do for me personally. Let's always maintain the assignment and honor for the assignment and then honor the individual who fulfills the assignment. That was rough for Jesus. He's Jesus. Yeah, even when he was around his own people that he was with the most, the good shepherd, the best shepherd, the good, good father. He's, the, he's like the whole package. And there were people who missed out just because they looked at his individuality and his humanity and his person and not who he really was. That's not us, right? I want to look at the life of David. David's like an awesome example of honor because really in the end, whenever God began to compare every other king to David, there's a reason. When God said, David was a man after my own heart, there's a reason. If your heart is where your treasure is and God's treasure is where his heart is, and I'm going to miss out on, you know, I'm not going to do the Davy Jones reference, right? We've all seen the movie. Let's move on. Your heart was in the treasure. Anyway, then David must have placed his heart where God's heart was. David must have found God's treasure and put his heart there. We can see that revealed what David found in Psalm 119, the whole chapter. 
We're not going to put it all up there. It's going to take us a while to read it. But if you all were in prayer a few weeks ago and listened to Pastor Marcy preach a few weeks ago, you realize that was part of your reading assignment, so it should be fresh on your memory. But in Psalm 119, this whole passage just emanates value of the word. Your word is life to me. It's like water. It's like, you know, honey on my lips. It's like, it's, it, how, what should I do to keep my way pure? Just focus on the word. There's so much in there about the value of the word that you realize God looked at David and said, he gets it. He values what I value. But David is a better example of honor because he honored everything that the kingdom culture honors. So if we look at the story of David, I'm going to paraphrase some, we're going to read some, but we're going to go through this because I found some things that I hadn't previously seen before. And I've read the Bible almost 20 times cover to cover. And I'm telling you right now, this last week, I missed some stuff that I found. And again, it was like treasure. It's like digging. And all of a sudden you're like, where has this been? That David, when we see him as a young boy, obviously Saul misses the mandate. God anoints Saul. Saul was anointed to be the king, to hear from God, to do his role. Saul refused to obey what the king said. So as, an, as the role of king, it maintained honor, but the individual not fulfilling the role brought dishonor on himself. So the role still has a demand of honor in kingdom culture. Then God says, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm stripping the anointing. I'm going to find somebody else. I've picked somebody else out. Samuel, you're going to go to the house of Jesse. He shows up at the house of Jesse. He walks in, sees the firstborn son. He's as tall as Cole. He's like, surely this is a king, right? He's either a king or a basketball player. One of the two. He missed it. He must have been a basketball player. God says that's not him. I mean, what does God say? The first thing God says was man looks to the outside, but our king looks to the heart. God said so much in that one statement to Samuel about kingdom culture that the world is always looking to the outside of something to tell it what it is or tell it what its value is. But God says, I look to the heart to determine value first. So then he goes down the line, finds all of his brothers and says, well, the Lord has told me it's nobody, which must have been a tough job as a prophet. Because God only said it's one of the sons of Jesse. He didn't say, here's how many sons he has. So the prophet's being sensitive. Not him, not him, not him. Okay, there's no one else here. And he said, well, I do have a son that's where? Where was David? Why was he in that field? Whose sheep was he watching? Whose sheep was he watching? His father's. David's out there watching his father's sheep, not his own. It's interesting because the prophet brings him in. They say, we're not going to sit down until, the, until he shows up. So they're all standing in a place of honor. And you understand, David knew what happened to kings. He knew this scenario. When he walked in, he knew in his heart, he's holding the jar of oil. Something's about to happen that's going to change my life forever. And as he knelt down and the prophet poured the oil over his head and anointed him that day to be king, in the heart of David, he knew what God had made him to be. And when he stood up, covered in oil, where'd he go? Back to the sheep. Why? Because David honored his father by valuing what his father valued. 
We don't even see interactions with David and his father, yet we know he honored his father. Why? We don't have to hear a conversation. I don't have to hear him butter him up and say, Dad, I love you so much. You're so great. I'm so thankful for you. We don't see any of that. We see the honor proven by what he does for his father. That's why when parents and your kids, flattery does nothing. It's empty words to me. Too many kids manipulate their parents with their words of, oh, I love you. Oh, I think you're great. Oh, aren't you the one, most wonderful mommy? Aren't you the prettiest? And in the end, I know whether you're honoring whether or not I ever heard that conversation. David honored his father because he valued what his father valued. In fact, if we look in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 15. 1 Samuel 17, 15. David gets anointed. Saul ends up having these. Obviously, he's got the anointing stripped from him, right? So he's got he's being tormented. And somebody says, hey, I heard of this shepherd boy that plays an instrument. He can come in and he can play some music for you. And every time David did, he would leave. But look here, it says, and David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. See, this is an important passage because you understand David, what he, he knew who he was. He was anointed to be the king. You understand the humility in him that he would go serve this king. So all of a sudden of the whole nation, he's been elevated, not just as the king in the eyes of God, but in the eyes of the people. He now goes and serves directly under the reigning king. Yet still maintained this role that I have isn't going to prioritize over the honor I'm going to have to value what my father values. And went back and served tending his father's flock. So then David is obviously going back and forth and doing this. Then there's a time where he serves as Saul's armor bearer. But you understand, he still went back and forth. He didn't leave the assignment his father gave him undone. He didn't say, they'll figure it out, I'm king. We're giving a lot of Bible examples, but at some point we're gonna, like something's going to click and we're going to start putting this in our own life. It's not yet though, I guess. But there's this important part that happens here when his dad, his dad tells him, and I've, and I've said this before and I've told my kids, but I saw it differently this time, that his dad says, listen, I need you to take some bread and some cheese and take it to the commander that your brothers are serving under. And did David do that? Sure, he obeyed his dad. This is a great example. He's obeying, doing what his father said. But there's this one verse in talking to my friend, Pastor Zach uh, in Oklahoma. He was like, well, you know, David did something right before he left. And when he said it, it made me so mad. I was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. What? He's like, yeah, go turn to, to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20. If you look, it says, so David arose early in the morning and he left the flock with a keeper and took the supplies as his father had told him to. David's value for what his father valued, he didn't just leave. He actually found someone to fill the place of him in his absence. You want to tell me what David valued? Did David value the sheep? Why? Because his father did. See, maybe that's where we miss honor sometimes is because even the leaders that we're called to honor, if we place value on what they value, then we would be better at honoring instead of just giving them compliments or acknowledging their works. 
Because even though pastor appreciation is great and we can honor the individual and what they've done, I promise you the greater honor to give your pastor is that when he gives the word from the Lord, it takes weight and precedent in your life, then you go do what it says. That pays more honor to the role of the fivefold minister than it does just to tell him, hey, here's a gift card to Starbucks. I mean, too often we talk about monetary honor and that's part of the kingdom. Honoring somebody with your wealth and what you have, that's part of it. But that's not the emphasis. David left the flock with a keeper. He said, I value this so much. I'm not going to go do this thing for my father and yet let something else lack. All the priorities of my dad, I'm going to honor. So he left no burden on his father in the absence of that role. Do we want to bring it over into the church? That you've got an assignment. And you're saying, I honor the pastor. Then you go on vacation and go, peace. I'm out. Y'all figure it out. And haven't made sure. What do you, are you valuing what's being valued? Are you valuing the role that you have? Especially those that are in oversight. This is a big one. Are you just leaving things undone? Or do you make sure you're leaving the assignment that you've been given with a keeper? That's why in leader, especially in church, if we're talking about leadership and ministry coordinator level, are you reproducing yourself in somebody that when you go, there's not anything lacking? Because you understand it would have dishonored David's father if David's father had to say, go do the cheese and the bread. And then David's father had to go out there and stand in that field. Okay, we're just thinking it's okay. So again, speaking to what David honored. Here's another nail in the coffin that David honored his father without just conversation. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 through 37. It says, David said to Saul, because he's standing there, he goes before Goliath. He's like, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? We get this whole story. We catch up on this part. And then Saul's like, I don't know that you can do this. You're really good at playing instruments, but I don't know if you can fight. Like, I don't know what this is about. So David says to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. Whose sheep? He also recognized they're not mine. He's faithful with what is another man's. Come on. If you're faithful with what is another man's, if you're not faithful with what's another man's, how can God give you your own? David's out tending what belongs to his father and all of a sudden a prophet shows up and says, since you were faithful with something that was someone else's, I'm going to give you a whole nation. Okay. He says, when the lion and the bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked it. And I rescued it from its mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. David had such a level of priority and honor for his father's sheep that he was willing to put his own life at risk just to take care of what belonged to his dad and what valued to his dad. Amen. This is an act of selflessness. We read it and we read the lion and the bear like David's this awesome warrior and he's brave and this tells us bravery. But more than telling us bravery it shows us the level of honor that he had for what belonged to his father. He said, if it matters to my dad, it matters to me. So he went out and didn't let just one slip away. He killed a lion and a bear just to maintain what his father had. So he said, your servant has killed both the lion and a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. 
Because we see this shift in David where he obviously honored his father. But then you begin to see my honor for my father reflects my honor for my king and for my God. Because in his mind, I valued what my father valued and put my life in the, on the line to conquer what was trying to come after my father's sheep. He said, it's no different. He says, it's no different. This uncircumcised Philistine is the same exact scenario in my heart that now something has come to attack my father's sheep and I'll put myself in between and it won't be any different. I'll conquer this one. I'll conquer the next one. It doesn't matter because I'm going to value what my king values. I'm going to value what my father values. Okay. Let's see. I'd find it interesting there at the bottom in verse 37. It says, and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. You realize God didn't come to deliver David and keep David safe because he likes David. No, God's protection was God honoring David's honor. See, that was a result of David saying, I honor you, Lord. I'm going to do this for you. And God said, since you've honored me and my things and you valued what I value. I'm going to assign great weight to you. David honored his father. In fact, David represented his father well. In the very end of this, he goes and kills Goliath. And I think it's, I find it, you know, mildly humorous that David's with Saul and he's with him for several years. And he's his armor bearer, which means he's carrying his armor to the places he's going. And in the very end, David kills Goliath. And then Saul invites him back into the tent and says, hey, who are you? <laughs> Who's your father? You're thinking this hasn't come up. And all this time, he's carrying all your stuff. He's playing music for you, and you never ask the guy a question. <laughs> he says, who's your father? But David's response to him, listen to this. I just found this is a nice little nugget. You pull this one out of here. It says, 1 Samuel 17, 58. It says, Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answers and said, I am the son of your servant Jesse from Bethlehem. Honor. He represented his dad. He didn't say, oh, I'm the son of Jesse. No, he said, oh, king, I am the son of your servant, Jesse. He just told the king about his father's character. He represented his father's character well. Amen. So then we got to look, who else did David honor? He obviously honored his father. He honored the king of the universe. But let's look at this example here. If we go to 1 Samuel chapter 24, is it 1 Samuel chapter 24? Mm, 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 mm. Yes, it is. Congratulations, everybody. We found it. It says, the men of David said to him. So this, again, to give a little more backstory. Saul was anointed to be king. David served with Saul. All of a sudden, when David comes back from killing Goliath, all the ladies started singing a song. Saul's killed his thousands. David is ten thousands. And this made Saul upset. He's like, hmm. I want more honor. I'll say it again. Everybody's silent. And they're like reading the screen. They're like, what are we going to talk about? Saul was upset because he craved the personal honor. Right. 
So they sing this song about David. Saul is upset about it. And then it drives him so mad in offense at David that he tries to kill him. So he looks, Saul looks past David's assignment. He looks past all that David has accomplished and looks just at the individual and says, you're being honored more than me. I want to kill you. So tries to kill David. And what does David do? He didn't run. David stayed and then let him try it again. So again, he throws a spear at him at a, at a dinner party, throws a spear in the wall. What did David do? He grabbed the spear, took it, threw it right back. Because that's what you do when somebody throws a spear at you. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Everybody knows when a spear is thrown at you, you take it, you throw it back. That's called a warrior spirit, right? I'm, a, I'm not to be trifled with. You took a swing at me. I'll sw- oh, yeah, I'll end this. I'll end it right now. Not David. In fact, through David's whole life, he never, he never learned the art of spear throwing. No matter how many were thrown at him. So Saul throws a spear at David. Twice this happens. Finally, there comes a time where Saul tries to kill him so much and determines in his own heart, I'm going to hunt you down like a dog and kill you in a ditch. That Saul's son tells David, you got to go. David didn't want to leave. David had a bad leader and didn't want to leave. David knew his assignment in the kingdom was greater than just what his leader was doing in the kingdom. Uh, Honor, man of honor. He honored the role of the king so much that he said, what am I going to do? Talk bad about him? And Saul was a bad leader. I can't emphasize this enough because in circles where we have good leadership, people still treat them like they're a soul and not like David did his soul. Okay, so then he's out there being hunted by his leader. And Saul shows up in a cave and squats down to take a poop. And David is the most stealthy guy that has ever lived. Or this was the loudest cave you've ever heard. I don't know. Was there running water? We don't know. Because David sneaks up there, cuts off a piece of his robe, brings it back. And then David here, this picks up in the story. It says, the men of David said to him, behold, this is the day of which the Lord said, behold, I am about to give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as seems good to you. His followers around him were like, David, you're anointed to be king. Your enemy's here. God did this. Kill him. And all of our problems will be over. He says, then David arose and cut the edge off of his robe secretly. Obviously super secretly because you're that close. And he didn't know. He must have had Taco Bell or something. He must have fighting for his life. Listen. <laughs> and it came about afterwards. Reel it in. Reel it in. It came about afterwards that David's conscience bothered him. It came about afterwards that David's conscience bothered him. Did he hurt Saul? No. Why is David bothered on the inside? Because he's a man of honor, a man of great honor. And he looks and says his conscience bothered him because he had cut the edge off of Saul's robe. So he said to his men, far be it from me. Say, far be it from me. He said, far be it from me. To, to stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. 
that I should do this thing to my Lord, to stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. But what's wild at this moment was Saul anointed. Did God strip the anointing from Saul? David not only honored the Lord's anointed, he was honoring somebody that was just previously anointed by the Lord. He said, how dare I think I have the right? And if you notice, I found this in reading through this whole story. David never calls him Saul. He always refers to him as the Lord's anointed. David understood the hierarchy of honor in the kingdom, which was to honor the role, no matter the vessel. He always called him the Lord's anointed. In fact, whenever, if we pick up later in this story, he feels guilt about this, has the thing, and then all of a sudden Saul goes on the other side of the valley and David walks out and says, Master! Master! He didn't say, hey, slime bag! You've been trying to kill me! He said, Master! I had the opportunity, but I didn't, because I still honor you. And then Saul says, well, you're a better man than me, man, because I would have killed you so fast. It's basically what he said. He's like, you know what? Let's 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 have a little, you know, let's have a ceasefire. OK, we're going to let some time pass. We're not going to do this thing. But David would not touch the Lord's anointed for any type of harm. Then let's look at how the whole story plays out in the end. And then we'll talk about you. It'll be all right. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, I guess this is, is this 1 Samuel? 2 Samuel 17. There's this, this whole thing that plays out with Saul that God, David didn't have to kill Saul, kill his family, didn't have to do any of this. The Lord took care of this whole thing. David and his patience and his honor was able to let the scenario play out that Saul finds himself in battle that he shouldn't have been in. All of a sudden, some, the, the, the enemy is coming after him and Saul looks at his armor bearer at the time and says, listen, run me through because if they get a hold of me, they're going to do way worse than just kill me. So his armor bearer is like, mm, I don't know about this. So Saul and his armor bearer, they just fall on their own swords and die themselves. But somebody saw this as an opportunity to get close to David. So when we pick up in here in, in this passage here, I believe it's 2 Samuel 17, verse 20. That can't be it. That's not it. We read that earlier. Anyway, you'll find it. You'll be okay. I'm going to read it. It says, David said to the young man who came in, the young man told him, he said, David, I was with Saul in the battlefield and he is dead. Here's his crown. So David tells him, how did he die? He says, well, he, I came up to him and he said, I'm suffering, I'm dying, you need to end my life. So I ended his life for him. You're lying. That's not what happened. But he thought, if I tell him, I'll receive some kind of honor. Not realizing, in David's kingdom, you honor by valuing what the king values. David valued Saul's life because of Saul's role. So David asked him, he says to the young man, he says, where are you from? He said, I am, an I am a son of an alien and a Malachite. And David said to him, how is it that you were not afraid to stretch out your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Oh, 
It says, and David said to one of the young men that was with him, go cut him down. So they struck him where he, they struck him and he died. And David said, your blood is on your head for your mouth has testified against you saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. He didn't even do it. But I find this interesting about David. He personally wouldn't touch the leadership God gave him, but also wouldn't allow others to touch the leadership that was in his life either. So if we want to bring this into church leadership, I find it interesting. Many people will say, oh, I'm a David. And then somebody comes around and starts talking about your pastor. You say, oh, I won't say anything about my pastor. But do you let them run their mouths in your presence? Because David did both. He not only personally would touch the leadership, he wouldn't allow anybody else to come in and say that they were either. And I find it's not so much with actual swords and spears, okay? But most of the time it's with words. So again, if we're going to bring this into our own lives, I'm not going to use my words to bring harm to the Lord's anointed in my life. And you know what? You show up in my house and you start trying to bring harm to the Lord's anointed. Why aren't you afraid in my presence to talk about my pastor? See, that's the heart of David. Not, oh, tell me whatever you want to tell me. What's the, king, what's the, what's the pastor doing? See, because there was somebody else in David's life that did this. His son Absalom sat at the gate. And he's like, oh, the king, he's a good king. Oh, my dad, he's a great king. He's good. But what's the problem? You got a problem? Oh, okay. Tell me about it. What did he not do for you? Oh, interesting. Okay. And entertained conversations that ended up stealing the hearts of the people away from the leader. See, this is rough because for us to honor God first, remember all, all, all kingdom honor, the foundation of all kingdom honor starts with honor for the, the king and his word. If he places leadership in your life, you to honor the leadership isn't because of the leadership. It's because God said to. So again, if you're entertaining conversations about church leadership, you're striking off one of the top things in God's list that he says should be valued the most. David felt guilt when he just touched the hem of the garment. Then when somebody came in and says, oh, I took care of it and I elevated you to what your destiny was. David didn't even value his own assignment over someone else's. See, if David's number one priority and most weighty thing in his life was the fact that he was king, why didn't he just take the kingship? But how many people come up in the church house and say, you know, I have a gift. I am a gift. You could have had the prophet show up at your house and pour oil all over your head. Then you show up in here and tell the pastor, I'm anointed. I knew it was too real. It's like super quiet. We got a few people like, amen, I think. I don't know. You could have been anointed. But who is it for you to elevate yourself before your time? What's your priority? Your gift or the vision of the church? Because we've got our pastors who have shown over and over for decades that their priority is what God assigned them with the vision. Not their own personal giftings, not their own things. Their priority is the vision. So for me to honor our pastor, I'm going to value what he values. 
That's why when we show up on Sunday morning and Pastor Earl's away doing something else, you doing your role on a Sunday morning brings honor to the leader. And doesn't the Bible say, do this without being a burden to them? Because again, you showing up and working in the parking lot, that brings honor to the one who's over scheduling for the parking lot. And that person that's over scheduling of the parking lot brings honor by doing their job to support the vision. And it honors the pastors because we're honoring the role and the assignment first. So again, David's an incredible example of how honor works in the kingdom. This guy honored his father. This guy honored God more than anything so much that, you know what? He made a mistake. So then the church leadership showed up at his house. How did David respond to correction from church leadership? (laughs) I'm telling you, the more you read David, you're like, how can I not go here? Because David goes and sins and does wrong. He has sex outside of marriage. He murders a guy. Saul didn't even do that. All Saul did was just simply disobey a command God gave. But we find David didn't lose his kingship when he does this. Which tells me a man of God, if he makes a mistake, has a chance. Has a chance. But it all hinges on how does he respond to the leaders God's put in his life. Because Saul didn't even do something that gross. Saul just did it. But when the church leadership showed up, he said, I've done the Lord's will. I've done nothing wrong. And the prophet said, then why do I hear the voice of something you should have killed? Why is something in your life still when you should have put it to death? A church leader told him that called a prophet because God gave gifts unto men, some prophets. You know who else is listed there? Pastors. You know what Saul did? Saul said, no, no, I did what I normally do. I've honored God. And the prophet said, this day the kingdom's been stripped from you. Your response to the correction from your church leader has taken away your assignment. You've become a dishonorable man. But we've got David who makes a mistake and had a brilliant church leader show up. Instead of just saying, hey, hey, you're wrong, idiot. He said, let me tell you a story. There's this guy that has this sheep. It's like family to him. He has assigned great value and weight to this sheep. He honors it. Then there's a man that lives by him that has so many more sheep that he doesn't even value any of them with the same weight and honor that this man does. But the man with many sheep went and he took that one man's sheep that was the most valuable to him and took it and killed it and ate it for himself. And David's a man of honor. So this story hit hard in his heart. He said, okay, Uh, because David, remember, he had put his life at risk just for one sheep because he knew the value of being entrusted with a sheep. And in his selfishness, made decisions that were wrong so that the man of God was able to come in and bring wisdom and how to address his problem and said, that man is you. You know what David said? No, it's not. No, I didn't do nothing like that. No, he immediately said, I have sinned against my God. He didn't say, I've sinned against you. He didn't say, I've disappointed the people. He didn't say any of that. He knew that the hierarchy 
And the order of honor in the kingdom starts with honor for the king and honor for his priorities. And the first response he had was not, let me tell you what I did or didn't do wrong. See, there's nothing that drives me more nuts than when a little kid looks at me and I say, hey, you did wrong. And then they try to tell me what they did right. I don't care how much you've ever done right. I don't care in this scenario how much right you may have done. The wrong you did canceled it all out. David didn't do that. Saul did. Look, I sacrifice. He's like, obedience is more important. So then David looks and says, I've sinned against my king. I sinned against God. And then repented, which means we know in the kingdom, the first words Jesus said in ministry were repent for the kingdom is here, which means change your thinking. He didn't repent by getting down and saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. He repented by changing the way that he thought about himself in his rightness and said, I was wrong. He admitted his guilt. He admitted he was wrong. And in doing that, he ended up saying, what can I do to make it right? See, stark difference between Saul and David in their response to the leadership that came in their life. David honored the leadership by receiving what they had with great weight. Saul dishonored the leadership by receiving what they had lightly and valued his own opinion more than he valued their words. And we have this opportunity every single week when we show up at Anchor Faith Church. That when, because you don't always have to have some personal private meeting with the pastor where he's talking to you or, the, or, or, or any of the associates. You, most correction that's going to come is going to come from the platform. And if you can make adjustments and receive and value what's said in the platform, the Holy Ghost doesn't have to drag you into an office. I mean, for some reason, everybody's got this weird little <laughs> about having meetings anyway. Like, oh, counseling. I'm going to get counseling. I'm just a broken person because I have to get counsel. Counsel doesn't mean let's talk about our feelings. Counsel is godly advice and wisdom to help you reign in life. Don't call it counseling then. Call it a meeting. Just go and talk to the the leadership. Ask the questions. But again, you're not getting called into a leadership meeting if you're applying what you're hearing from the platform. But the problem is if you devalue what's said here and you take it lightly, God will wake you up and show you what should have weight somewhere else. Okay, like I said, we, got, we don't have flag football. I've got like eight more pages. I'm just kidding. But again, let's look. I want to look at these, uh, these few examples here from Scripture before we close to just show us the benefit of honoring, us to live in kingdom honor, for us to honor what God honors, to value what he values, pays out for us so much. The prize far outweighs what it costs you. Even though it costs you your opinion and it costs you your own personal priorities when you align yours with God's, it's better for you. And I don't know why as preachers and ministers we have to get up here and try to convince you that the best thing in your life is the best thing for you. Like, why? Well, this is crazy. When we come and we say, you should trust God. The person who's never failed. Remember, we started the whole service. He's never let us down ever. He's never once failed. Why do we have to preach messages about trusting the most trustworthy, unfailing king of the universe like why what is it about our humanity that forgets why is it when a problem shows up all of a sudden we need to default to our own priorities instead of just maintaining what God said when you have a need Jesus was the ultimate priority giver in Matthew 6 33 he says listen 
If honor is value and value is what you prioritize, here's kingdom priorities. He said, seek first, primary, at the top of the list, the number one most important thing, seek the kingdom. Number two, but also wrapped into number one, God's way of doing things. But why is it when frustration shows up or whenever a bill shows up, all of a sudden we forget what we're supposed to seek? He said, if you do this, everything else will be added to you with no sorrow, no problem. Just seek the kingdom. Yet we have different priorities in our human nature. Okay. If we look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, it says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel declares, and I indeed say that your house and the house of your father you should walk before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. For those who honor me, I will honor. And for those who despise me, I will lightly esteem. So if honor is to give weight or high esteem to something, don't you want God to value you like that? So you're saying, oh, God, is, he's no respecter of persons. Sure, but in the hierarchy of honor, the first level of honor that's given is to assignment. So I'd submit to you, he's no respecter of the individuals, but God is always a respecter of assignments that are fulfilled. See, I give God priority because I want God to prioritize me. When I show up in a room full of people, I'm not inferior because I know I constantly live honor to the king. And when I walk in, the king's obligated to honor me in the midst of all these people. I don't care what the degrees they have. I don't care what accolades, what positions they hold in the end. When I walk in as a kingdom man, I live in such a way that God honors me. Because they say your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. That's a picture of honor that's given to somebody who gives to their gift and their calling. He doesn't say the fact that you're a human being will cause you to be stand before great men. No, for you to honor your gift and your assignment, that will bring you honor in the presence of people. See, we all need God to honor us and view us heavily. And when God comes into a situation, who holds the most weight that can fix the problem? I want him to look to me. Here I am, Lord, use me. Okay. Proverbs 21, 21. Proverbs 21, 21. It's important to look at righteousness. And as we're, we're closing up with these last two passages, Proverbs 21, 21 says, He who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. I find it interesting that if we're to sum up what the reward of honor is, it's honor returned. Amen. For me to value, you know what that does? It gives value back to me. For me to pursue righteousness, remember, if, if we understand righteousness, it's right alignment with the ruling standard. For me to pursue the way that God's ruling standard honors, it pays out for me in life, righteousness, and honor. Is that not what everyone's looking for? How do we get it? We live right and we honor the way the kingdom honors. Okay, last passage, band, if you want to come up. I love this one. This one resounds deep in my heart. When we talk about honor, I always think this verse. And it seems right to end with this one. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. 
First Peter chapter two, verse 17. Come on. This is the kingdom culture in a nutshell. This is what you and I are called to do. It says honor all people. That means value them above yourself. Assign people more value than you value yourself. Then it says, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.